Welcome, friends, to worship Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It is a delight to welcome you to this hour of worship. Whether you are here present in the sanctuary or you are joining us online or via the radio, we are glad that you have chosen to make Preston Hollow a part of your Sunday morning. It is good to be together in God's house. If you are uh, visiting among us, a, a special welcome to you. We look forward to coming to know you, and we endeavor to do that in a host of ways. If you will uh, come out to the uh, atrium through these doors uh, to your left, and then if you'll go into the atrium, there is a desk there, a welcome desk with volunteers who have a special gift for you to say thank you for coming today. They can answer questions about the mission and help you to know about information about joining the church if that's something that interests you. Here in the sanctuary, you will find friendship pads on the outside aisles of your pew. If you'll please register your presence this morning to let us know that you're here. Equally important, if you will take a note of the names of those who are worshiping around you so that you might greet one another after worship by name. That is a way that we endeavor to create community and a sense of belonging here. We hope that you will take advantage of that as well. In the pew racks in front of you, you will find small cards, connect and prayer cards. There are two sides card. On the connect card, if you will uh, ask any question or sign up for any activity, if you have a desire to become more connected to the church, that's a way to do that. On the reverse, if you have a prayer concern or a celebration in your life that you would like to bring to the pastor's attention, to the deacon's attention, that is one way to do that. The card goes in the offering plate later in the service. A few announcements that we'd like to highlight for you this morning. We want to make sure that you know that uh, we have not uh, slowed down just a whole lot during the summer. We have a lot of opportunities for fellowship and for being involved in the life of the church. On Wednesday of this week, the deacons will be offering uh, a potluck and bingo from 6 until 8 p.m. in Jubilee Hall. There are details in your bulletin about what to bring, but we hope that if your schedule and interests allow, that you will participate in that on Wednesday evening. Uh, on Saturday, a week from yesterday, in the atrium courtyard, we will be offering family yoga. So if that is something that appeals to you or it intrigues you enough to come, uh, for all ages and stages of life, all ability levels, this is a, a preview session. It's Saturday morning, so we hope that you will uh, consider participating in that. Snacks will be available, and it should be a lot of fun. And then a week from this Wednesday, on the 17th of July, we are offering a museum tour at the Biblical Arts Museum, the Museum of Biblical Arts uh, near uh, North Park Mall, uh, and lunch. And there is an opportunity for you to join together with others from the church to tour that and to enjoy lunch together. Uh, you can sign up online or you can meet Malin Height, our coordinator for senior adult congregational care. She will be at the desk this morning after worship to sign you up. So know that opportunity is before you. Today we are the pace of our lives as we continue to think about the sacred amidst the ordinariness of our daily living. So you don't have to raise your hand, but I just have some questions to get you thinking along these lines. And perhaps this will help you identify where you fall in this uh, topic. Who here spends most of their life in a hurry? Who runs late? Who is impatient? Who would describe themselves as laid back? Who lets things unfold as they will? 
who is a planner and has every detail mapped out to a T. Okay, I'll raise my hand for one of those. No matter our approach to life, God's pace is our benchmark. Patience is in order. Because God moves on God's time, not our own time. Today in worship, you'll uh, notice invitations to embrace God's pace. In our prayers, our singing, and in our reflection on God's word to us, let us listen for God's voice accompanying us on our journey. Let us worship holy God. sitting in traffic. God is present. As we gather for worship, God is present. Let us worship God.
Let us confess our sin before God and, and one another. Let us pray. Steadfast God, in this society of instant access and immediate reward, it is difficult to be vigilant in our faith. We want instant responses to our prayers. We seek immediate returns on our investments of time and energy. God, forget that our sense of time and your sense of time are not always aligned. And yet, you promise to accompany us throughout the generations for real obligations and help us to trust that you are always near. Amen. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. everybody. How are you today? Everybody having a good summer? Good. Did you have a fun July the 4th? Who saw fireworks? Some people saw fireworks. Okay. You heard fireworks. I heard fireworks. <laughs> who, has a, who has a pet at home, a dog at home that does not like fireworks? <laughs> yeah, I know. Mine either. So, okay, so I want to talk to you this morning. We've been talking, and if you've been coming to church, you know from 
other times that you all have had in worship that we're talking about living, just, just everyday living, right? You remember that? Different pastors talking with you about everyday living. So I have a, a couple of questions for you. Who likes to go fast? Anything you do, who likes to go fast? Okay, okay. Who likes to go slow? Okay. You like to do both. That's a fair answer because it kind of depends on what we're doing, right? But I have some friends who are really good at going fast. Listen, do, you, does, do any of you know about cup stacking where you do the cups? I have a friend, I have a young friend in North Carolina who was number two in the state at how fast he could do those cup stacking competitions. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, today we're talking about how we live our lives and how God moves about and is, and is among us as well. And so sometimes we live and we have expectations that don't always match up with what God has in mind for us. So here's some things to think about. What, what do we have to wait for? What do you have to wait? What are some examples? What do you have to wait for? Okay, all right. It's together. Okay, what do you have to wait for? Yeah. You have to wait for your turn. Very good. What about you? You have to wait to, oh, you have to wait to the we. Okay, I know about that. What do you have to wait for? You have to wait for your birthday. That's a great example. What do you have to wait for? You have to wait for getting your flu shot. <laughs> what about you? One more. You have to wait to open your present. These are great examples. Does anybody ever have to wait for uh, maybe a grandparent to come and visit? That, have you ever had to wait? Or, or, or some other friend to come and maybe stay at your house? Or has anybody ever, let's, let's think, you know what? You know what this is, right? Phone. Everybody has a phone. Maybe, I hope some of you don't yet have a phone, but I know. <laughs> and so, one of the things about phones like this is this thing right here that allows me to do what? Exactly. Do you know when I was your age and I got to take pictures with a camera? I had to take the film to a store <laughs> and I had to wait and wait and wait like for a week. Can you imagine? I had to wait and in order for the pictures to come back. You don't have to wait with this, do you? You take a picture and you have it right there. So there, there are just some different times in our life when we have to wait. And what do we need when we wait? Exactly. Patience. The million dollar answer. And of course, patience is easy, right? No, patience is not easy. Well, is patience easy? It's true. Yeah, some people, it seems like patience is easier for some people than other people. But you know, we have a lesson today. We have, yeah, that's right. Okay, one thing. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of hard not to, to have to be patient when we want to do something, when we want to play a game or something like that. So, you know, when we, and you know, your parents have to wait too. We have to wait in traffic, but you have to wait in traffic too, don't you, sometimes? Yeah, because we live in Dallas. Dallas equals traffic, right? Exactly. So there are opportunities for us to wait and opportunities for us to be patient. But guess what? God is with us in the waiting, and God can give us patience when we wait. And when we wait, God may show us things we just didn't even know we were going to get to see or experience or do. And that is a gift from God. And that's what I want to ask you today to be thinking about and maybe talking with your parents and your families is how can we be more patient so that we can let God show us what God wants us to see in our lives and experience. So will you join me in prayer and will you please repeat after me? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for loving us and for caring for us and for giving us patience. Teach us your ways. Teach us not to hurry, but to wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. as we prepare to hear God's word, let us unite our hearts and minds in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, you have so made us that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from you. As your word is read and proclaimed, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that we may hear your words of wisdom with fresh insight. Give us patience to recognize that understanding takes time and that you are present with us as we seek to be your faithful followers. Open our hearts and minds to your word to us this day. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Good morning. Today, as we continue our summer theme, Sacred Ordinary Life, we'll be reflecting on one of my favorite passages in Scripture in which the disciples, as usual, have their expectations completely turned upside down. As Jesus ascends into heaven, the disciples who previously thought that they were at the end of their journey realize that things are just getting started. So listen now to a word from God from the first chapter of Acts. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward the heavens? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this summer we've been exploring the sacredness in our ordinary lives, all of the many ways in which we see the divine in small moments. And if I were to sum up my own spirituality in one theme, it would be this one. Because I I think I truly relish the small things. Daily walks in the neighborhood, pausing to watch bees, cooking a really good meal. I love that we are exploring these ideas this summer. But I'm going to be really honest. It's nearly impossible to remind myself of the holiness of every moment when I am trapped in gridlock on Central Expressway on a hot July afternoon. Delighting in the small things only goes so far when I am inching my car forward two feet at a time, only to witness that shameless person who has decided that laws are merely suggestions zoom around me in the shoulder. Maybe you struggle with this too, or some other form of road rage. Sitting in traffic is a particularly frustrating and yet ordinary occurrence that serves to remind me that I am incredibly impatient. So out of necessity, I've developed a number of coping mechanisms for this exact situation. Most of the time, turning on the radio is a sufficient distraction, but when things are really bad, I resort to daydreaming, particularly picturing myself completing items on my bucket list, wishing I were somewhere else. One particular dream of mine has always been to see the Northern Lights or the Aurora Borealis, that incredible wonder of vibrantly colored lights that dance, that are best seen in the far Northern Hemisphere above snow-covered fields in Finland, or Norway, or Alaska. A few years ago, I was traveling to France, and I booked a 20-hour layover in Iceland. I was utterly convinced that I would see the Northern Lights. That day, as I moved from activity to activity, giant geyser to geothermal hot spring, I couldn't help but eye the skies, as if I would suddenly catch a glimpse of the Northern Lights. And even as I sleepily boarded my flight 20 hours later, I kept my eyes focused out the window, growing more frustrated by the minute that this random, 
natural phenomenon had not occurred in the very short time frame that I had allowed. It turns out that this is becoming quite the common story. A few months ago, a writer for the New Yorker magazine published his own account of seeking after the Northern Lights. This writer describes his eight-day journey from Nordic town to Nordic town, wading amidst seas of single-minded tourists who were ready with their cameras at a moment's notice. On his first night in Finland, he stays in a glass igloo hotel where you can lie back and watch the lights under a reindeer fur coverlet, which is so comfortable that he falls asleep. <laughs> to kill time during the day, the writer ventures out into the frozen tundra for ice fishing and cross-country skiing, all while checking the aurora forecast on his iPhone. But the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth days bring no sightings of the lights. The writer forces himself to stay awake long past when he wants to go to bed, just in case. He looks for the lights around a campfire with warm drinks, on a catamaran in Norway, and in a small hut with sled runners dragged by a snowmobile onto a frozen pond. He goes to every extreme and spares no expense to try to catch a glimpse, but by the last day of his trip, he still has not seen any signs of the Northern Lights. Finally, on the last evening of his trip, in a very scenic parking lot, with a bus full of companions, it finally happens. The clouds part and the lights begin to put on a show that the writer describes as mind-blowing, beyond description and surprisingly emotional. He is utterly astonished. Someone takes a photo of him watching the lights in which he wears the stunned look of a non-believer witnessing a miracle. But what is most interesting to me in this account is not the final revelation of the miracle, but the writers growing impatience as the days of the trip pass with no sightings. Complete with a terrifying reindeer taxi collision, this wild goose chase of a trip makes the writer wonder if he is somehow unworthy of seeing the Northern Lights. He wrestles with this sense of entitlement. He's been ready, waiting for seven days after all, Surely he deserves to catch a glimpse. Each day, he grows more and more frustrated and less and less convinced that his waiting will pay off. I imagine that this is the state of mind of the disciples in the first chapter of Acts. For 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus has been appearing to this group of disciples, speaking and teaching specifically about the kingdom of God. And for 40 days, Jesus tells them, wait here, stay put, God's promise is coming. And so this moment is one of great anticipation. Jesus has brought them all together, and just like that bus full of tourists in a parking lot, they are merely waiting for the clouds to part and the light show to begin. Because the disciples expect that this is the moment 
when everything will be reconciled. This is when Jesus, the Messiah, will reign in power, when every knee will bow and the kingdom of God will come in fullness, when justice will be rendered and all will be made well. They have incredibly high expectations. But for good reason, Jesus has really talked this up. So they dare to ask one last question. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? In their minds, it's a rhetorical question because what would they be doing gathered together with Jesus if he were not about to restore the kingdom of Israel? But Jesus, ever the mysterious one, answers them cryptically. It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And then Jesus is lifted up into a cloud and he ascends into heaven. And the disciples are left on the ground, gazing up at the skies in disbelief and confusion. And they linger, thinking maybe this is just part of the show. But two men in white robes come by and confirm their worst suspicions. They question, why are you standing looking up at the heavens? This Jesus who has been taken up from you will come in the same way as you saw him go into the heaven. And suddenly, the wild goose chase of following Jesus for three years comes to an inconclusive end. After his dramatic ascension into the skies, things are remarkably the same on the ground. Can you imagine the frustration of that day? Can you imagine the confusion and the disappointment? Perhaps you've experienced something similar. Waiting in holy expectation only to have your hopes go unfulfilled. It's difficult to continue waiting when waiting seems fruitless. Theologically speaking, when paired with the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus is the moment in Scripture that we mark as the initiation of the kingdom of God. In Christ's miraculous resurrection from the dead and ascension into heaven, the kingdom of God becomes a present reality that will be made complete in the second coming of Christ. In other words, the kingdom is here and is also still to come. In the time when the New Testament scriptures were written, the disciples and those who followed after them believed that Jesus' return was imminent. After bearing the disappointment of the Ascension Day, not quite ending as they expected, the disciples still held on to hope that Jesus' second coming was just days or weeks away that their waiting would surely bear fruit in their lifetime. 2,000 years later, we're still a people who hold on to holy expectation for the return of Christ. Like the disciples, we hold on to hope that Jesus will come again. And yet, over the years, the church has diverged on how we wait. You see, waiting does strange things to people. Waiting makes us anxious. In the midst of waiting, we seek ways to assert control. Because waiting, especially for something as monumental and world-changing as the second coming of Christ, 
can bring about feelings of helplessness and an utter lack of control. The church has lived in this nebulous time for 2,000 years, and throughout these years, an untold number of theologies have emerged that seek to predict the exact day and hour of Jesus' second coming. Wise theologians and televangelists alike, from mainstream denominations to radical cults, have made calculations and claims for specific days that Jesus will return, only to have these days pass uneventfully. And even now, a number of Christian traditions hold fast to the idea that the second coming will be extremely soon, this year or the next, imminent in our lifetime. But what often accompanies this theological belief is the dangerous practice of interpreting tragic world events like wars or natural disasters as signs that surely signal the end of the world, and therefore as reasons to excitedly await and prepare for the return of Jesus. The very real and very horrific brokenness of the world should never be a cause for rejoicing. And beyond the very real dangers of espousing a theology that seeks to predict the time of Jesus' return, these ways of understanding the second coming strip the believer of an essential gift of faith, which is mystery. After all, remember Jesus' final words to the disciples? The time of the second coming is not for us to know. Our tradition strives to live into the mystery of Christ's return, to take seriously the fact that we cannot know the day or the hour. So the story of Christ's ascension is like a giant ellipsis that leaves the disciples wondering, now what? And as inheritors of the faith, we live in an open-ended story. We are a people of the now and the not yet. Because we know that the kingdom of God is here now, we see glimpses of its beauty here on earth. And yet we are more than aware that the kingdom of God is not yet here. The news cycle alone shows us a broken need, a broken world in need of redemption. So in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God has come and is still coming. We are journeying toward an unknown destination with no answer to the burning question, how much longer till we get there? This is who we are. We are a people who live in the now and the not yet. We are a people who wait. And believe it or not, I think that is some of the best news that we could receive in our sacred, ordinary life. Because for all of the anxiety that waiting can bring about in us, waiting is also an invitation to let go of our need to be in control. Waiting is an invitation to embrace mystery and to create beauty. Waiting is an invitation to be present and active where we are. But in all of this, it is worth noting that not all waiting is holy, that some waiting is unjust. 
As we live in the not yet, awaiting God's kingdom still to come, we know that many things are not as they should be. And waiting should not make us passive to the brokenness of the world. So like the disciples who acted to heal suffering and break down barriers right then and right there, it is our responsibility to speak against unjust waiting, particularly now, as children and families wait and suffer unjustly in detention centers in our own state. Not all waiting is holy. And yet the holy waiting, it seems to me, is the ordinary waiting. And the ordinary waiting is where things grow, like seeds sprouting under the surface of the soil, like ideas forming and connecting, like cheese ripening and maturing, like wine fermenting and aging, like bread growing to fullness in kneading and proofing and baking. We grow and we change when we wait. And we are reminded, even when we are sitting in traffic, that in our waiting we are living into the mystery of the now and the not yet. And in our waiting we are practicing the greater waiting and living in hopeful expectation of the promised day when the kingdom will come in fullness. All thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we've heard the word read. It's appropriate for us to respond and to stand in spirit as we say together what it is we believe using the words of the affirmation of faith from the Iona community printed in your bulletin. Together, we believe that God is present in the darkness before dawn, in the waiting and uncertainty where fear and courage join hands, conflict and caring link arms, and the sun rises over our choir. We believe in a with us God who sits down in our midst to share our humanity. We affirm a faith that takes us beyond the safe place, into action, into vulnerability, and into the streets. We commit ourselves to work for change and put ourselves on the line to bear responsibility, take risks, live powerfully, and face humiliation to stand with those on the edges, to choose life and be used by the Spirit for God's new community of hope. Amen.
we turn our attention to prayer this morning, I want to remind you of the joys and concerns section on the back of your bulletin where you will find the names of those for whom we are in prayer today. I also want to remind you that outside the north transept doors are care letters. You are invited to sign those. Those are sent to people who are experiencing uh, transitions of some sort in their life, and your signature serves as a prayer, and we hope that whether or not you know the individual receiving the letter or the family, that you will participate in that as an expression of love and care from our congregation. Today we offer prayers of praise for the 30 youth and their chaperones who are on pilgrimage with the church in Scotland and in Ireland. They departed on Tuesday, and so we want to be in prayer for all of them, and uh, we celebrate that opportunity for them. Reverend Kathy Lee Cornell is preaching this morning at Mo Ranch at the Intercultural Youth Conference, where she has been since Wednesday of this week providing leadership uh, to the larger church, and so we want to pray with thanksgiving uh, for her leadership uh, there. Today we are especially in prayer for Jerry McManus and his family. His wife Jane passed away at the end of this last week, and so we remember this family in this time of loss. We give thanks and praise for Jane's life. There will be a memorial service for her this Friday, July the 12th, here in the sanctuary at 11 a.m. And so prayers for the McManus family. We also received word this morning from Kristen McGregory on the passing of her mother, Deborah. And so we want to pray for Kristen and for her family in this time of loss. We likewise want to remember beyond our community the uh, people who are in California in the wake of the uh, earthquakes that have occurred there recently. We want to pray for safekeeping uh, as uh, they experience uh, the aftershocks and during this time there. Family of faith, let us continue our prayers together. In our waiting, O Lord, we are sometimes impatient, yet you remain a God of blessing. Though we grow impatient from time to time, your grace prevails, and you remain a God of blessing and mercy and presence. And so it is that we come to you again this day with our prayers. Prayers for hope for those who feel hopeless, for healing for those who need healing, for jobs for those who are jobless, for community for those who feel lonely, for peace for those whose lives are filled with conflict, for understanding for those seeking to be understood, for comfort for those who grieve, for food, for those who hunger, for shelter, for those who are homeless, for clean water, for those whose waters are contaminated, for rain, for those who live in drought, for a time of drying, for those who are facing too much rain for freedom for those who live under dictatorships, for wisdom for our leaders, 
for spiritual growth and health for our churches, for your kingdom to reign here on earth. God of our lives, forgive the smallness of our vision, the narrowness of our outlook, the weakness of our love, the nervousness of our witness. O Lord, forgive our repeated failure to recognize the fullness of your revelation in Christ. Give us a deeper sense of wonder, a stronger faith. Help us to hold on to hope and give us patience in the waiting as we strive to be aware of your pace and not our own. In the name of Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, this month our Every Dollar Counts offering, the month of July, all the dollar bills and the coins that are placed in the offering plate go to Presbyterian Disaster Assistance. PDA serves as the emergency program of our denomination. Their specially trained staff and volunteers enable congregations such as ours and ministry partners with the Presbyterian Church USA to mobilize and bring healing and hope in the face of storms and other catastrophes. PDA provides supplies and labor and other resources during times of recovery and rebuilding. With generous hearts, let us give of what God has given to us as we receive our morning offering.
let us pray. God of every blessing, it is indeed your spirit that touches our hearts and lives and prompts us to give back to you, for you have given us so graciously. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would use what we have given this morning to further your kingdom on earth, and that you give us patience in the waiting as we see your plans unfold in our lives and in the world around us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. sitting in traffic, even when we are waiting, we can take joy in the fact that God's promised day is coming. Now may the love of the faithful creator, the peace of the wounded healer, the joy of the challenging spirit, and the hope of the three in one go with you and encourage you this day and forevermore. Amen. <laughs> 